tell me when I'm telling lies. Hey everyone, been about a week or so. Uh, CM Punk's back. I'm sure no one was gonna be offended by that ending. Uh, I should be like you, man. Uh, Bullet Club Gold and Samoa Joe took on CMFTR. I'm surprised they have not come up with an official name for the they have not come up with they have not made uh i'm like they're making merch of it now but like why not just go all in and just call down the graphics and promotion because it makes sense like rko ftr ftrko uh those are the days when randy wall was trying his damn best to get them to get them at the top of the food chain <sighs> so cm punk came back after 10 months of a torn tricep and all the bad, bitter feelings that occurred, and Kenny being bitten in the arm, like steel chair clocking Nikhil Matt Jackson, uh, and CM Punk heading into Collision went on an interview that was described as inflammatory, though in reality, uh, people were like, eh, about it, because everyone's just kind of sick at this point of the whole dynamic going on with AEW and Punk. Like, will they, won't they? Can they work together? Will they work together? Will they ever shut the F up? Uh, I, I understand. I, I totally get it. I, I'm sick of it too. Like, I'm just like, look, if they're gonna work, like, they don't need to be friends. They don't need to be, be going to, going to, well, I was gonna say the bar and drink out because CM Punk is straight at. So some people have argued that maybe Punk should lighten up a little bit and go a little marijuana or something i don't know why people think that but like it, but like yeah punk's combative mentality and the elite uh i'm just that guy that's sitting in the back and it's like okay you don't need to be friends you don't need to hang out you don't need to go to a club and party you don't need to go hit each other's homes and hang out you don't even need to be working on being the elite together we just want you guys to just shut up shake hands Apologize to each other, and then we. And if you want to work together, fine. If you just want to do one match and then never speak to each other again, that's fine. Heck, heck. See if I'm even admitting in the CNN interview that yes, he definitely tried to contact them, but there's legal stuff that stops him from doing that. So clearly, there is something going on that they want to finish this whole thing out. And I'm pretty sure the lawyer stuff just makes it more complicated. Probably in the hindsight, you should have thought this through, but that's a different matter. There was high emotions. And CM Punk came back on the opening of, of Second Coming. They promoted his return. They knew they couldn't do what they did last time. Like, the magic for that was gone. They knew Chicago was sold out of the United Center nonetheless. So like they didn't have to do. They didn't have to do teases or sub or make obvious references to the point that that's all they advertise. And if they didn't have him at the show, they couldn't be mad because they just made the assumption. And I'm pretty sure that was AEW's plausible deniability there if Punk didn't come back. But uh, yeah, they got that all worked out. Rampage will forever be known as the show that brought CM Punk back for the second episode. Then they did some good shows, some good matches, pretty damn good matches, <laughs> but uh, didn't really make the mark it was supposed to make for people. So CM Punk cut this promo where he takes off 
the microphone head, the, the microphone piece here that shows the AEW logo, and he's all in his buzz cut hair, and I was like, oh god, this is 2013 Punk, the one who looked absolutely pissed off being there, which was probably accurate at the time. But let's hope this is not as pissed off as he was before. And he cuts this massive promo talking about his younger years, about if he was ever there, no, he's going to be part of Madison Square Garden. So, uh, multiple times over every single building in Chicago or Haru. And Punk even said that if he was a younger man and he was told this by the front, by the future, he wouldn't believe him, like at all. But, uh, yeah. So, Punk decides to claim he's tired of being nice, and then, of course, when Punk said that, I was like, watch, if we're gonna get people that are gonna complain saying, STOP BEING, WHY ARE YOU BEING A JERK? And I will just respond, weren't you all asking for this one to come back? The jerk Punk that hated everything, and probably hated life at a time, and even went as far as to punch a fan in the face? I'm like, it was an accident, but it was still a thing. Because he was just that bad all the time, it seemed. Um, here's the thing about the promo. So Punk was given a pretty positive reception in Chicago. I'm like, it's Chicago. It's his home turf. So, of course, he's getting love there. But heading into the show beforehand, they were clearly showing he was getting mixed to negative reception from the fan bases outside of Chicago. So that leads me to believe... Oh, CM Punk's gonna be the is gonna do the Bret Hart dynamic where he's a face in Chicago but a bastard heel to everyone else in the entire world. Sort of like Bret, like I said, like Bret Hart when if he was in America, he'd be the biggest jackass to everyone to everyone to everyone on the on the crowd and at TV and in an American home. But when he was in Canada, he was seen as as the second coming of God himself. To the Canadians, he was their icon. He was their hero. Like God damn it! And Punk goes ahead and, and does this big promo, saying, "Tell me when I'm telling lies." And it's like, and he talks about how he's never been unapologetic, how he's never compromised, how he's just being himself and whatnot. And he does Eddie. He talks about the painful truths and whatnot, and he says he has a lot to get off his chest. And we all know what happens when that when that's said, because then it leads to a pop culture phenomenon going on, and then WWE will screw it up somehow, even though I will never understand how they screw that up. Goddamn. And of course, he called, and of course, apparently David Zaslav is a fan, kind of like, if, if the wrestling fans knew what David Zaslav had done to the nerdy crowd of, of pop culture, and he's done in cartoon fans and animation fans, they would be saying, Fuck David Zaslav! Fuck David Zaslav! Pay your writers! Pay your writers! I'm like, they're not gonna, I'm mean, like, Punk's not gonna go out on TV and bash David Zaslav. Then you could just unplug the show from the contract if you wanted to. David Zaslav's a and people were at, and I had to answer some one of my buddies on Twitter about who was David Zaslav, and I just called him, and I just said, "Oh, he's the he's the current president of WBD, and also a war criminal for uh, animation abomination ideas, like canceling animated projects or scrapping them completely, or canceling films or TV shows when they're already 
things we send out to the world, only for them to say, nope, we're doing a tax write-off, even though the whole thing is done, but we're going to screw you all over. Without even doing, like, shopping around to someone else, even though it's the last season. Ain't that right? Uh, let's see. Which shows, uh, oh, um, Westworld, I believe that was the one. Uh, that other, the train show that was a, a, a series to a series adaptation of that movie. Uh, I can't remember its name, but it was in its final season as well. And they had it all fully completed and ready to go. Then David Zaslav pulled the plug because, of course, he did. Snow, no, I think it was Snowpiercer, Snowbreaker. I'm pretty sure it was Snowpiercer. Uh, that, oh, he also scrapped a whole bunch of animation projects. Uh, Batgirl was the most famous movie that was uh, scrapped and put in a vault, and the creators weren't even allowed to keep the film for themselves because fuck that. And a whole bunch of other things. Yes, I know I'm talking about David Zaslav, but let's be real. <laughs> yeah. But anyways, uh, David Zaslav calls apparently CM Punk one bill film. Probably a reference to the fact that there was that big rumor going around that CM Punk's uh, mere existence or have gained AEW a billion dollars just from this show alone. Yes, uh, this show, Collision, apparently may have given them a billion dollars, though they might have been disputed by Tony Khan and everything. Uh, and then he, then he says this. That's because I'm the one true genuine article in a business full of counterfeit bucks. And I was like, damn, he went there. He claims he's the, the king is back and he has a lot to say. And of course the crowd goes ahead and says, uh, crowd is chanting because they know what they're saying, what they're thinking. Fuck the elite, fuck the elite, fuck the elite, fuck the elite. F the elite, F the elite, and whatnot. But Punk clearly is so tempted to say something, but because the legal system is so confusing, he cannot. But uh, he goes ahead and talks about how uh, how he is the, basically the best, and how you're free to cheer and you're free to boo him, you're free to hate his guts. You're here to have a sign saying CM Junk. Like, you can do whatever you want. That's your truth. Go for it. Then he has this red bag throughout the entire segment. And it's not, and it's clearly obvious what he has in his bag. The title he never truly lost. He was stripped of it. He never lost it. And I was like, well, I think we know what the main event of All In's going to be. CMFTR versus the Elite. I think we should wait. That, I think they're gonna wait that out until they get all the legal stuff handled. Heck, Punk even says he wants to sit down with them and talk about all the BS that went down. Let's hope things work out with him and Hangman. But, uh, uh, but when Punk goes ahead and is basically pulling the loophole tactic, where oh, I can't remember about you said I can't remember about King Omega and the Young Bucks. Young Bucks in, in that agreement we did. No one said I could say anything about Hangman. I was like, oh god damn it. I'm surprised he did not mention Hangman at all in this. But, um, before everyone went into a huge, and people were wondering what the hell was going on, saying about that counterfeit Bucks line, and I actually had to look into it. I, I was like, they had to, they, 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 they knew what they were doing. They knew, they approved that. Uh, the elite approved it. The management approved it. It'd be dumb if they didn't. 
Like it's a, it's one thing to say it was scripted. It's not. Uh, Pilots allowed to say I they don't really like believe in scripted promos. Take notes. But um, you see, everyone was curious how the Young Bucks would inadvertently respond to this. Well, they responded on Twitter saying in their bio, if it were 2018, we already have a counterfeit Bucks shirt available on PWT. Crying face laughing emoji. Kill it, y'all. And I was, and then I was, and then when I heard that, I, went, I just did this, I did my obligatory Twitter post saying, time to needlessly speculate and post the Hawkeye gif of don't give me hope. Because that's, that, that's, uh, that, that's the route we're going with on that. Don't do that. Do what? Don't give me hope. So, yeah, they're, they're clearly suggesting that there is something going to happen down the road. Let's just hope things worked out if the lawyers allowed it. But let's just hope that when they do the sit-down inevitably, they say, go out there, let's just make some fucking Monday. By the way, I gotta mention, Monet was supposed to be at the bin door, but she got hurt. You may cry now. Sasha Banks, Mercedes Monet, and AEW, at least for now. But we still have all in. And we're willing to do it for you. We're willing to pay whatever you have to do. So, after all that, the show goes on, proceeds with shows and content and insanity. And we get the main event Samoa Joe, Jay White, Jay Whitehall, and Juice Robinson versus CM Punk and FTR, Dax Hollywood, and Dash Wild, and Cash Wheeler. I keep, I, I just keep thinking of their old name. But they're signed a Bravo on the current tag team champion. In a trios match, because Tony Khan needs to have his callbacks to the first episode of Dynamite with the Elite versus basically what will become the Jericho, the Inner Circle. Probably the best night for Jake Hager, considering that was possibly the biggest moment he'll ever have in his career with the pop he had. Which says a lot about the times. I was there for the whole shebang. So anyways, uh, CM Punk and CMFTR took on Samoa Joe, JY, and Jim Robinson of World Cup Gold. And someone had to do the math over CM Punk and Samoa Joe because this would be the first time they've crossed over and fought each other in nearly 20 freaking like years. Please note, the last time they touched, they, they went shoulder to shoulder, fist to fist, fisticuffs, was about 2004 or five. CM Punk has never pinned Samoa Joe. Over 6,000 days, and this would be the first time in that 6,000 days that Samoa Joe and CM Punk would share a ring together for the first time in, 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 20, in nearly 20 years. I'm so old. <laughs> I'm so old. 
So yeah, and I would, and I, the, and despite the appeal of Samoa Joe and CM Punk going out, which was clearly the main caveat of all this, I really wanted Jay Whitehall and CM Punk to go at it because I was like, damn, but one of the best sellers of a wrestling move, a wrestling moves, uh, Jay Whitehall taking on CM Punk, the best type of physical actor you could get for wrestling and sell a move to the extreme says a lot. And people have been wondering why Jay Whiteo doesn't feel like Jay Whiteo. I'm like, to me he does, but that doesn't matter. Uh, the reason why Jay White has been very... Some would say he's very laxed about how he's been handled in AEW. Accordingly, he's pretty much was like, uh, I'm in AEW now. I no longer have to go hard as possible in New Japan for wrestling. So, I'm kind of cool with my current career booking. Yeah, that's basically how Jay White is handling his AEW run currently. He's just more like, I'm here, I pretty much did everything possible in New Japan and worked in, like to the fucking extreme. I'm just gonna make it, my first stint with AEW look more like a vacation than anything else. He's pretty really relaxed, chilled back on the whole creative process for him. So long as they get his character right and whatnot, how he is, he still has his New Japan vibes. But he clearly is very relaxed and help and laid back over this over this run currently. I hope he kicks into high gear soon in, in give it a year or so probably when he kicks it into real high gear, especially when he starts to work more with the top guys and hopefully Kenny Omega again because we will only give him one goddamn match in New Japan for wrestling and I want more. I should be like you, Mel. The man who broke the bullet club that laid the foundation of all elite wrestling. If it wasn't for me, you would all still be wearing the black and white. Let's be real, he's probably gonna feel that when they feel inevitably. So, that had all happened. And we get the match. This match did everything it needed to do. It, had, it, it brought back, it, it showed, it was to protect CM Punk because he's been gone for 10 months and, you know, torn tricep and all that, torn off the bone. So naturally, they were like, okay, we can't, we don't know how good you are in the ring yet with all the training and whatnot and recovery period. So we're going to take this a little easier. We're going to take you the buddy that you are. We've been basically, basically defending you every single chance they get. And you're going to fight these three guys. And you're going to have a moment with Samoa Joe. It's a damn good six-man tag team match, a damn good trios match. And honestly, I would have been cool if they had put the titles on the line. Samoa Joe puts on the TV title and the FTR takes on the tag team titles. And then they can switch them if they wanted to. I'm like, I know they weren't going to do that. And I know Samoa Joe wasn't going to be the fall guy. Heck, I knew Jay White was going to be the fall guy. I knew it was going to be Duke Robinson for the bare fact that, well, here's the question. Do you really think they're going to drop the catalyst of pro wrestling or the face of TV, the ch TV champ to CM Punk at this current state until they do a big long-term program. Come on, he's just a ball guy. I saw that coming a mile away. But um, when Samoa Joe and CM Punk went at it, the crowd goes ballistic. And here's the thing. I, I don't know how they do this. 
They had me on the edge of my seat, even though I knew CM Punk and FTR were going to win. I knew it was going to be the end result, but they are damn good at making me think it could go the other way. When Sabojo had CM Punk in the Coquilla Clutch and all that, and FTR was coming in to save the day, it's like, okay, they're, they're, they're going to break out the submission, They're good, but then J.Y. Juice Robinson caught them and held them back as, C as Samojo was being was choking the life out of Punk, and I was like, could they actually do it? Could they actually have Punk lose in his return match? But of course, um, Dax Hartwood and whatnot, uh, Cash Wheeler and all that broke out of their uh, restraints and got Samojo to release his hold over CM Punk. Like but that was a damn good tense teasing moment. Like, I was like, damn. And just when it looked like Jay White was gonna do the Blade Runner on CM Punk, CM Punk gets out of that. Juice Robinson is obviously the fall guy, and he gets the gets the the uh, go to the GTS. And we end the show, and we we're initially thinking it's gonna end with you know chaos unfolding, Kenta and all that stuff. Yeah, that didn't happen. It just ended. Yeah, didn't go the way to Dynamite. They, I was a little surprised by that because I was like, like you're gonna do something to hook in the leader, the, the, the watchers for next week. They don't do that, and people were kind of thinking that yeah, clearly Kenta is gonna get involved in this, right? And they keep mentioning how it's not a done deal, and how and there's been a report how it's not a done deal, and how everything is not set in stone for Punk and Kenta. You know that's the green match everyone wants to see: GTS versus GTS. Like, let's be real, everyone's been wanting to see that match just for that that tagline alone. And if they don't do it, I'll be pissed. And I don't know who I should blame for that. Because let, let me be clear. Whenever you have a obviously good tagline you can go with to sell a match to sell a match, let alone sell an entire show, you kinda should do it. If COVID never happened in the world, and the WWE weren't high on their own drug-addled drug madness, and Goldberg wasn't a self-centered charity-using car player, we could have gotten Revenge versus 17. I, I am still on that. It's been years now. I am still on that. That if they did that, they would have sold out the entire arena. They would have sold the arena out, the stadium out just for that one match. Just announce that match, make that the tagline, and boom, you got it. You, you got the match. You, you got your match, you got your main event, you got everything. Just sell that and you win. But no, Goldberg wanted to be selfish and, and charity picker, and COVID had to happen because everyone was an idiot that day in the world. But uh, before I end this, I do want to bring up what happened after the show. You see, CM Punk brought a fan in, and... Oh, man. He decided to, he, he and FTR decided to celebrate. CM Punk still doesn't have his replica belt to, to go ahead and sell the, the I'm like the real know. world champion because he wants to be like Shawn Michaels now. Because, they want, because they've been following Bret Hart's manners the whole, the whole year or so, and now they want 
by be doing the HBK stuff. That's clear where they're going with, with MJF and CM Punk. And they had a fan come in with the sign, support LGBTQ plus youth. And of course, I said I'm fair this. The elite and punk may not agree on a lot of things, but they definitely agree on this. And they should, uh, it's the AEW press photo of Kenny Omega pointing to a sign saying, support trans kids. Trans rights are human rights. Goddamn right. But, um, nothing happened when that stuff happened. So because everyone, because the people on the Twitter floor seem to be a bigoted idiot and claim they're WWE super fans, someone said this, this is why I don't want AEW. Why are they shoving this down our throats on live TV? Even if you agree with them, just wrestle, entertain us. Who cares about your political views? This is wrestling, not CNN. I mean, you would have somewhat of a point if this was actually on TV, but it wasn't. And I don't give two shits. If they want to stand, take their, if they have a company backing them and standing by their beliefs of support the LGBTQ and Pride Month, do it. Fuck, fuck the bigots. Oh, and and this account user on the description says they are a WWE super fan, and my response to that was Finn Balor's WrestleMania entrance was Pride Month. Oh, and did he also go ahead and wear a pride shirt of his of his merge in Saudi Arabia, which would have guaranteed a death sentence if they thought about that for a quick second and lead to another crisis that we really were not interested in? But uh, Dirty Dutch Mantel, well, at least he's accurate with his personality, saying this: Is this a wise move involving a political issue on a wrestling show? I guess the issue that Bud Light Target have had with the LGBTQ topic was not has not reached AW. This shot didn't make the show, but still a photo is there. Comments. Uh, here's my opinion on this. Uh, how is it a political issue? This isn't like something that can be wheeled into existence. It already exists. I'm like, I know Dutch Mantel is an idiot and from the olden days, the old world. But uh, he seems to forget this isn't the old world. Also, uh, I, I would like to mention that you freaked out over Tony Khan hugging Cesaro. Yes, it was geeky, but at least he, at least he cared. After all the pressure he was going through like the whole uh, debacle of uh, the injury bug last year, I he needed a moment. Sheesh. But uh, yeah, I kept pointing out like, Remember Finn Balor's WrestleMania entrance in 2018? It was a heartwarming moment on, or Balor's wearing a pride shirt in Saudi Arabia. That took guts. So I'm pretty sure someone out there, some GOP fanatic is pissed. And if this pisses off Ron DeSantis since AEW's based in Florida, so be it. I'm like, I'm pretty sure that can make Punk and, and, and uh, the Elite work together. Hey, I don't like you. I don't like you either. But you support the rights of the trans youth and the LGBTQ community. So do I. So do you guys. We're cool. Yeah, we're cool. So do you want to kick Ron DeSantis' ass? Yeah, let's do that. And yes, I am going to bring up Ron DeSantis getting his ass kicked one day because he deserves it. But uh, that's just his opinion on that subject. It's less of a political opinion, more like a moral argument that yes, we should probably kick his ass. Oh, man. So, yeah. 
Champ Hug is back, ladies and gentlemen. I do not know what happened to Max. It's it's gonna be a wild ride. He's and there's reports going on that he is gonna show up on AEW Dynamite since Dynamite this coming week will be in Chicago. Therefore, uh, there's a chance the Elite will not show up according to reports. So take that for what you will. I'm pretty sure. Look, based on that promo from last week and the fact that CM Punk is willing to sit down and talk to them, and the only thing that's stopping that is lawyers currently, and not Matt and Nick Jackson being petty. Yeah, something tells me they're just trying to separate them just to keep, just so the lawyers don't come knocking on their doors and say, "Hey, uh, so uh, I heard that CM Punk, uh, I heard that the Elite were backstage with you. Yeah, you can't do that. There's a restraining order because the lawyers drafted it up. Yeah, I know you want to work things." But yeah, Punk's back. If he shows up on Dynamite, that's good. It'll still be awesome since they need to get all the pop they need for him for now until they go outward to out of Chicago. Damn, he's living in Canada. I don't think the Bret Hart remnant, Bret Hart homages will be enough to sway fans over. But uh. He has the world title clearly in his bag. I should be like and he's really claiming he's the real world champion since he, you know, never lost it. He has his argument. But I don't think they're going to bring back the entrance system thing for a while because, let's be real, last year drank everybody a bit. You know, 2022 was a rough year for AEW. But we'll see. We'll see. They'll probably say that he has a legitimate claim to the world title, but MDF is also the world champion. I did do the interim stuff. You're both the world champion. You'll fight for the unification of it. And then we'll end the debate completely and move on with our lives. P.S. MGF is going to win. Oh, man. So I'm looking forward to seeing what more content is going to come this way for AW Collection. It was a good premiere. It was a pretty damn good premiere for what it had. It probably should have had something to hook you in for the next week episode, or episode two, but. That's just me. I, that was just my opinion. The fact that we ended on a pretty, a pretty happy note was kind of was kind of a miracle in itself. We haven't seen that. They all usually have a cliffhanger ending and whatnot. <laughs> like even the uh, they don't even do a stare down with somebody. Like just here's the ending. Just them celebrating, which is like a breath of fresh air when you think about it. With all the dramatic endings. Like, Eddie Kingston coming back and beating the living hell out of everybody until you fight John Moxley. Don't worry, I, I, I'll get to talking about the Diamonds for that episode if you need to cover this. So, this was your host, Eric Brown of NRE WrestleVerse, NRE WrestleVerse, host of Neo Reality Collective Pop Up and News Talk, uh, and the owner of the NRE brand and Neo Reality Entertainment. Feel free to like, comment, subscribe, and our content in the description below. Stay tuned for more. I'll see y'all again next time. Peace and take care. <laughs> Dark ambience, I know we're not doing that. Um, so, 
one week heading into collision soon uh episode two this is episode one collision and the final big match i wanted to talk about before the new episode collision airs andrade and Ido versus buddy matthews of the house of black andrade and Ido disappeared for a while and for legitimately insane reasons because Andrade was just making fights on Twitter with Sammy Guevara and because Tony Khan did not have the ability of foresight for some godly reason um, they kind of got into a fight and Andrade got sent home and Sammy got, got, got out of trouble again because Jericho was there to back him and apparently Sammy was trying to according to reports we don't know the full we don't know what happened backstage but this is just what was said that Sammy didn't even want to start fight but Andrade was instigating it and he was trying to be restrained as best as one can be if you're but uh yeah so he got moved to collision months later because uh Collision is now known as the show where all the more problematic elements are at. Because that's a great idea, right? Uh, don't worry, I'm sure we'll see El Idolo back on Dynamite soon enough. Let's just hope things are cool between Sammy and him. That we could probably get an answer on All Access eventually. Who knows? Well, Buddy Matthews was his returning opponent. Do I even have to explain why this match was so great? In fact, many people thought this was better than the six-man tag team match, which I thought was also great. I did have a moment, though. I did definitely think... I, 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 like, to, even now, I still had this thought process, like, is Ray Matthews hurt again? Is he kind of going through that lately? Is he hurt? Is he well? Was he selling really well? Like we had precedent where someone sells being hurt and they think it's legit. Mickey James, anyone? So yeah, Andrade and Idolo and Buddy Matthews would have a match that. So at near the end of the match, I it, it went down for me a little bit because I was legit worried there was botches going on, like. And how it looked like Andrade tripped, but he seemed to maneuver into a forearm strike like he was trying to act like, oh, this was all part of my plan to confuse you, Buddy Matthews. When it looked like, when I saw the clip, I was like, did he trip? And But he was able to maneuver so well because he's just that good in the ring. And Buddy Matthews, like, he was selling that, he was going off that leg pretty well. And then he would look like he was hurt. But, uh... Yeah, I couldn't tell because I'm me. I'm not a wrestler. I can't tell. I legit thought this was like they botched at the last minute and it was like, oh damn. But yeah, this is a good match. This is a good match. If this was the one that started the show, it would have been, oh, yep, we got it. We got it. Instead, it was what, the second match or third match? Which confuses the hell out of me why they would do that. But uh, what happened mostly at the end, like I, I, I was confident Buddy Matthews was gonna win just from you know the fact that he was that damn good, and he, everyone, and 
And Andrade, because he wants to call out to his wife, does the figure eight lock to defeat Buddy Matthews by submission. Because that's a thing Andrade and Charlotte do. Like, Charlotte on SmackDown did the uh, Andrade pose because they're clearly... Okay, when the closest thing to an AWWE crossover is the husband and wife basically selling themselves, trying to basically sell themselves on TV and call each other out, essentially, it makes for the most funniest moments to happen, and, and then you have to wonder what commentary is going through their minds, like, are we supposed to say something here? Like, am I allowed to say anything here? Like, we can't mention Andrade or else we'll get, we'll get sacked by Vince and his rage. Did threaten to beat up Michael Cole once, so according to JBL, who just laughs it off like that was just a funny day. And like AEW, they'll mention anyone, uh, they'll, they'll, they'll be both the wall and mention, mention Andrade, Andrade having a wife that does that, and probably make it a little reference because you know, just because. Though that's probably Chris Jericho's style if you wanted to go there, and then that gets kickstarted through with him and Andrade, and he could go ahead and be in, in JAS Purgatory for about a good month or two. Luckily, that wasn't the case. Uh, but what did happen, and I can't believe I'm going to say this, this is the one time, uh, this is what the first, uh, this is a big first for, for Collision. I hated what ended, what happened after. Oh, the matches are going to be great. The story they'll tell them is going to be great. The endgame match is clearly going to be gob gobbly. I just don't like it because I kind of wanted to go the other route. So Andrade defeats Buddy Matthews in a hellacious match, and Andrade tries to shake Buddy Matthews' hand. Buddy Matthews looks like he's going to accept, and the lights go out, the House of Black show up, where Julia Hart is still sitting at the edge of the ring, ring ramp, and they beat the living hell out of, uh, of Andrade El Idolo, and sure enough, we got a feud for tonight's Dynamite Collision, where El Andrade El Idolo will take on... Brody King, y'all. And that will clearly lead to Andrade taking on Malachi Black. I legitimately hated that. Not because it was bad. It's because it was like, I kind of wanted Andrade and Malachi to work together again. Because they did work together and were looking badass. When they did a pseudo tag team together, though that was reportedly said to mostly because it was Zelina's involvement. Potentially, that clearly is no longer the case. That was a potential, but it didn't happen. But Thea, at the time, she was out of WWE, and Malachi got sacked and from WWE. Then Thea cried because apparently she wasn't. She thought she was still with her husband, and she only went back because of her husband. And then WWE pulls this stunt, and she couldn't get out of it. Which is messed up when you think about it for more than a second. But they've turned it around with her. She's turned it around. So uh, dark, dark stuff that has a happy ending. But I I just liked the team up of Malachi and Andrade. For God knows what reason. It's just, I think because... 
And if I had to guess, it's because comparing Malachi's dark colored aesthetics that he used for his gear and Andrade's more white colored aesthetics and like he's the dark light and he's darkness incarnate and he's more of a dark lighter light user uh sort of like that and the skull coming with it was was, was, was awesome but uh I just kind of wanted to see them work together again and if this and if Theo and Zelina was still a free agent and she was going to be part of the storyline I keep saying, like, if they did a match, I would expect her to come out, smack both these boys, and tell her tell them to grow up and work together because, well, let's see, one's her best friend and the other is her husband, who I'm still surprised didn't go after Vince and kicked his ass after he fired his wife, and then sent him home to recuperate because, you know, he's just going to get over the fact that we sacked his wife for her job because how dare she do OnlyFans and Twitch. Should be like you, Mel. Oh no, it's Selena. She does the Twitch and the OnlyFans. We need our security troopers ready at the door. I, I'm still stunned by that. The fact that she came back with the miracle of itself. But yeah, this was a good match. Like I said, it's a great match. You should definitely check it out. I personally just did not like the fact that there's going to be a feud instead of them teaming up. Because that would have been freaking awesome, and I would have been enjoying it, and I like the Andrade Malachi pairing because it's just fun to see, and it was short-lived, and I wanted it to continue after after Full Gear that, that time when they were feuding with Cody Rhodes. But it was just a fun time, like seeing Malachi do the dark out and turn come back in out of nowhere, and Andrade standing behind, beside him, and it was like. Okay, I'm kind of invested in this. I'm kind of interested in this tag team. Let, let's do it. Like, they could work it. They could make it work. And if they got Selena, it definitely would have worked. But no, they, they didn't. They scrapped the whole thing. And here we are now. Now they get a feud. It's going to be an awesome match. A series of matches we're going to get. I just kind of wish they worked together before a big storyline like that would happen. But, uh, Collision needs content for this. I don't like they could have made some What do I know? I'm not over. But we'll see. Uh, yeah, so yeah. Shock, shock of all socks. Eric Brown of NRE said something negative about this match. Oh no, the end is nigh. It almost was last night when I heard that big news that happened in that other country that we don't like to talk about because if we do, then we'll go into a political discourse rant and hear annoying people who will go ahead and raise, raise the other side. Dude. But anyways, enough about my absent takes on that last part. Uh, done a collision. I keep calling it Dynamite because I've been so used to this, the one show and then there was Rampage. But Collision is coming on the air in a few minutes. I'll see you all again soon. This is your host, Eric Brown of Neo Reality Entertainment and already the WrestleVerse. Feel free to like, comment, subscribe, check out my other content in the description below. See you for more. I'll see you all again. Peace out and enjoy Collision, all. Peace.